We're trying to set a goal of the results, but really we need to set a goal of the steps. Welcome to the Know Why Podcast. I'm your host, Liberty McCarter. For many of us, it's not enough to know what people say about life's most important questions. We also want to know why. Each week, Know Why tackles tough questions on topics ranging from spirituality to current events. While we approach these issues from a Christian perspective, we discuss diverse opinions and ultimately dive into what the research says. Are you ready to know why? Let's get started. Happy New Year and welcome to the Know Why podcast. Do you have a New Year's resolution? Do you want to improve your mental health and learn more about realistic practices for maintaining a healthy mind? Either way, you'll want to listen to this episode, especially because we are welcoming a returning guest, Ben Bennett, who has so much wisdom and insight to share about this topic. Ben, thank you for returning to the Know Why podcast. Hey, Liberty, it's great to be back with you. Can't wait for this conversation. Yes, so many important things we're going to cover. But before we jump in, I do want to read your bio a little bit for our listeners. Uh, So Ben is an author, podcast host, speaker, and he serves with Josh McDowell Ministry as the director of the Resolution Movement, which is a global movement helping people overcome hurts and struggles and thrive in life. And we'll share more resources later about how you can learn about that movement some more. Um, Ben has experienced trauma, deep anger, a porn addiction, and mental health issues like anxiety and depression before finding hope and healing through biblical, neuroscientific, and psychological solutions. By the way, This is what we talked a lot about in our previous episode with Ben called, Can I Thrive When I Have Anxiety and Depression? And if you haven't listened to that, I encourage you to go back, look through our episodes and find that one and listen to it because it's so good. So for the past 12 years, Ben has partnered with world-renowned therapists and ministry leaders, helping individuals young and old understand and work through the underlying factors driving unhealthy patterns in their lives. He and Josh McDowell also co-authored the book, Free to Thrive, How Your Hurt, Struggles, and Deepest Longings Can Lead to a Fulfilling Life. And online, his social media content reaches over 4 million people each month. So again, welcome back, Ben. And yes, I've read that book, Free to Thrive, as well. I endorse it. It's so good. Um, So we're going to ask Ben some questions uh, specifically about things I want to get his insight on regarding mental health and especially at this time of year, at the new year. But I also wanted to start out by mentioning some interesting statistics about New Year's resolutions, uh, just for fun. So a survey conducted last October by Forbes Health found that these statistics, um, or they found these statistics about New Year's resolutions. 62% of people say they feel pressured to set a New Year's resolution. And overall, um, in 2020, looking to 2024, which we're in now, uh, 48% of people said improving fitness was their top priority. And another big chunk, 36%, cited improving mental health as a top resolution. Um, 50% planned on using an app for assistance and sticking to their resolutions. And we're going to be talking about um, an app that you might be able to use here in a little bit for some mental health resolutions. Um, And generally, apps are the most popular tool to maintain accountability. Um, Another poll found that millennials and Gen Z are most likely to be setting New Year's resolutions. And last year, so for 2023, Gen Z said improving mental health was their number one 
resolution. So that's just kind of a landscape. I'm a big goal setter. I love the new year setting resolutions. I know other people have mixed feelings about it, but we're going to talk about it. Um, So Ben, the last time we recorded an interview, you brought up research showing that in the year after the pandemic began, the number of adults who cited symptoms of anxiety and depression quadrupled from 11% to 41%, which was just really, really shocking. But what is the landscape like now in regards to mental health? Yeah, what was interesting was the same, um, they did a follow-up study um, to that initial study to see what the landscape was the following year. And in 2022, the first part of 2022, they saw um, it go down to 32% of people um, who are 32% of people indicated they had symptoms of anxiety and depression. So I'm not sure what all, all went into that, but it was encouraging to see that, you know, despite the spike that the numbers were going down again, mm-hmm. and I have, I have a hunch that it had to do with more in-person connection and people getting back into routines and whatnot. After all, all the lockdown, we know, I mean, we know how hard 2020 was on so many people's mental health. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, great. That is encouraging. So when you're talking to, uh, you work with young people a lot and communicate with young adults in your ministry. So for people who are still struggling with mental health, what are the main things you're seeing? Anxiety, depression, loneliness. Um, What's kind of bothering people the most right now? All of those, <laughs> but I, I came across a study yesterday that kind of put into perspective um, what kind of order those were in. And if I'm re- recalling correctly, it was about 70% of <clears throat> young people um, indicate that loneliness is something that they experience the most. Second would be anxiety, and third would be. Uh, depression, and the it was in it was in the sixties, like sixty six percent, then sixty two percent for anxiety, and then depression, uh, and so it's really common. Now those are mm-hmm. um, things they experience from time to time, not necessarily mental health diagnoses, uh, re- recurring things, or not necessarily something that's they'll get diagnosed with and then deal with for the rest of their life. But it was, Hey, I feel lonely from time to time, or I feel um, pretty anxious from time to time. And that's what's going on in my life right, right now. And so all of those things are really common around this generation. Mm-hmm. And I would venture to say that loneliness is, the biggest one, because what I've witnessed is that um, people may feel really connected, but not have meaningful connections. They're, they're connected in a broad scope to a lot of people. But I always say loneliness is not a lack of friends. It's a lack of meaningful connection. Mm. And so when young people don't know how to talk about deep things, don't know how to talk about their hopes, their fears, their dreams, and are just having surface level conversations and 
you know, their deep needs, their deep longings aren't being met. They're not being seen. They're not being known or they don't even know how to draw that out within them. Um, that's what leads to loneliness. Yeah. Mm, so insightful. And I think that's something a lot of people can relate to because it's one thing to have a lot of friends or followers on social media or even a big in-person circle that you interact with regularly at school or mm-hmm. at work. But like you said, just getting past that, um, those kind of surface level conversations is, can be, you know, really difficult. Um, yeah really difficult for a lot of people. So I, I want to kind of jump back in um, to some of the questions about resolution specifically and how those affect us. But just since we're talking about loneliness now, what are a couple of tips that you give people when they're having a hard time making those meaningful connections, breaking past that barrier of just the surface level conversations? I always go to um, one reaching out to Somebody you know is safe. What's a safe person? Well, they're not going to judge me. They're not going to condemn me. They're simply going to listen to me and say, what do you need? How can I help? And so most of us can find a safe person uh, in, in our life. They don't have to be our same age. They could be older. They could be a parent. They could be a friend, a sibling, somebody at church, a teacher at school, if you're a young person. And then... I move into, it's talking about some of the, the deep, um, the, the things that are connected to just the sense of, um, either passion, like things that we really care about or things that we really feel on a deep level. So hopes, fears, and dreams, um, disappointments, discouraging, discouraging things, or simply just, what are you worrying about? what keeps coming into your mind that you're, you're afraid of. And cause that's going to be something that's personal to you. We each have our own fears and that's something that likely we keep thinking about. We keep worrying about it keeps coming into our mind. And so when we share something like that, that's personal to us and somebody who's safe affirms it, listens to us, we feel seen. And that part of us feels seen perhaps for the first time. Um, I know in my life, back when I was a, a teenager and dealing with doubts about God, God's existence and questioning my faith just over and over again and thinking that, man, maybe I'm no longer a Christian when I finally shared that with a safe youth leader and I, I felt so understood, so seen, um, so affirmed, and it kind of it met that need of uh, I no longer felt lonely, especially in that area of my life. Mm, yeah, so good, so relatable too, and yeah, just I echo your encouragement for anybody who's feeling lonely and um, you know disconnected to reach out to someone and I'm an introvert. So I know that that can be scary and it's hard to be vulnerable, but we all have our unique, you know, things that we're worried about, like you said, but everybody also has, you know, something that they're thinking about or that they're worried about too. It may not be the exact same thing as you, but 
you know, whenever you really open up and talk, are able to talk to somebody else, then there's just such a relief of like, oh, I'm not the only one who, you know, has questions or has things that I'm anxious about. Um, and so it, it can just, there's so much power in just opening up and sharing. So I'm so glad you gave that encouragement. And I want to talk more about practical tips in a minute, but just kind of going back to things that you have observed, Ben, um, you know, improving mental health is a big uh, resolution, especially among young people, according to some of the statistics I shared a minute ago. And like I said, last year was actually the top uh, resolution cited by Gen Z specifically. So have you seen that with people that you work with that, you know, there is an acknowledgement that mental health needs improving and we're seeking ways to try to do that. Absolutely. It's, it's such a common passion and topic and, and cause. If you, if you research the causes of, of Gen Z mental health is depending on the study, mental health is always one of the top ones. You know, there's all these um, social causes or the environment or is, is always up there. Um, but mental health is always at, at the top of the studies as well. And I think that's because this generation more so than any other is seen, is seen with their friends, just the amount of mental health struggles, the amount of suicides. <clears throat> Many schools, of course, you know, have had sex education for years, but now so many schools are having mental health education. People are coming in at an early age and talking about mental health mm -hmm. in public schools. And that was n not what I had um, when I was in middle school, high school. It just wasn't talked about. So uh, I think because of the state of it, it's such a common issue. People are seeing their friends be affected by it. And it's become a, a passion and a cause that people um, want to invest in. Yeah, that's so good. And when people do want to, you know, make a difference, whether that's improving their own mental health or helping somebody else, what are some of the first steps that you see people typically taking? And then are those the right steps that you think they should be taking? It's always, or, or what I see is always something that involves relationships. Normally it's reaching out to somebody, talking to somebody. This is what I see all the time on my social media and the videos I do is the first step is people sharing with somebody else what they're going through. And so I have people direct message me and share about something they're struggling with or that they're anxious or that they're fearful or, you know, all those kind of things. And that's always the first step I see. And I think it's the best first step. Um, because, you know, no man is an island. One of the greatest contributors to poor mental health is isolation, is loneliness, is a lack of meaningful connection, is a lack of support. And we need one another. And we find solutions and answers through one another. We find comfort through one another, encouragement, next steps. And so that's, I've been encouraged that often people are taking that as the first step rather than trying to figure it out on their own. Yeah, that's great. So speaking of kind of, okay, 
I see that this is a problem. You know, maybe someone listening is saying, I want to improve my mental health as well. Um, So let's take the first step. But it is the beginning of a new year. And so there's lots of talk about New Year's resolutions like we're talking about here on the podcast. And so like um, I think I mentioned it a minute ago, one poll found that 62% of adults feel pressured to actually have a New Year's resolution. And so whether it's a New Year's goal or not, um, when you abandon a resolution, again, studies show that it's usually because people felt like it was too much pressure. So it can be daunting to try to start something new. Even if you're like, I really need to improve this area of my life, it can be scary because you know it's going to involve changes and maybe you know people feel like it, there's too much pressure. What if I mess up? What if it doesn't work? What if I fail? Um, what if I'm going to abandon it? And then maybe it just discourages them from setting that goal or taking that first step at all. So if somebody is listening, but they're kind of feeling that pressure and anxiety around trying to improve, what encouragement do you have for them? A lot of times when we create New Year's resolutions, it can be either so broad or so big, like I'm going to lose 50 pounds or I'm going to lose 100 pounds or I'm going to improve my mental health. It's so broad that we don't stand a chance Mm -hmm. of, of accomplishing it. And a lot of times what we, we try and create end results with the goal rather than steps that get us to that end result. And so it's, if you've ever heard the term lead measures or lag measures, a lot of times we're trying to set a goal of the results, but really we need to set a goal of the steps. For example, if, if somebody wants to get in better physical health, it could be, I'm going to go to the gym twice a week, just something simple. And it's nothing about weight loss. It's nothing about I'm gaining this amount of muscle. Um, it's nothing about, oh, my my blood pressure is going down. I'm going to get my blood pressure to this, whatever it's I'm going to the gym twice a week. And when you stick to that and do a simple goal over time, there will be um, those results or it'll help you get to towards that bigger goal. And so when it comes to mental health, I would just encourage people to pick something simple that's sustainable because with mental health, just like physical health, it's a lifelong journey. We all have physical health and things that we do to help have better physical health, like the way we eat, exercise, rest. But we need the same thing with our mental health. Funny enough, things like how we eat and rest also um, impact our, our mental health, not just our physical health. And so I'd say pick one, one thing and go after it this year. Uh, for for example, back in back in what was this May of this uh, this past year, twenty twenty three, um, I started going on a thirty minute prayer walk six days a week. I had heard, or I had looked at some of the research on walks and prayer walks and getting out there and breaking up your day. I had heard how impactful it was for some people in their mental health to do something where their mind was so focused on something that you couldn't worry about things. You couldn't think about your problems. It was like almost how like sleep is a break for our mind and our bodies. 
going on this walk has become like a, a break for me. It, it stops any rumination that's going on. And so I started doing that 30 minutes a day, six days a week. That was a big lofty goal. I'm not one to set big lofty goals um, like that. In fact, were I starting as a New Year's resolution, I'd say twice a week, I'm going to go do that 30 minute prayer walk. Um, but that's been one of the most helpful things for, for my mental health. So you might want to try something like that. Wow. I love that so much. Um, I'm taking notes here for myself. I love focusing on the steps versus the end result, you know, cause it really does boil down to the, the little things that we do every day. That's just so wise and it makes so much sense. So in the past, we've talked about brain science and this big word neuroplasticity. Um, and it's always so fascinating. And I know you've studied this. So let's talk about kind of the scientific side of setting a new habit um, and, you know, taking a goal like going on a walk or, you know, whatever practice you want to implement and actually making it part of your life in the long term. Yeah, neuroplasticity um, defined is basically that the brain is plastic, it's moldable, it can readapt and change and reorganize itself throughout life, so it's not fixed. And we see this scientifically when people have a stroke and then relearn how to use an area of their body or just think practically in your life, have you ever met somebody and learn their name and then you knew their name for a little bit and then don't see them for a while and then you forget their name, Mm -hmm. but then you can relearn their name again. Um, That's example. That's an example of um, neuroplasticity. We can learn things, things become habits. They become natural. Sometimes we call it muscle memory, but it really is the brain rewiring and, and changing. And so the same thing happens with our, with our habits. Um, for me now, whenever I go on that walk or I don't even, I, I don't forget it's, 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 I don't forget that I have to go on a walk or that I go on a walk, you know, six days a week. It's so ingrained in my schedule and in my mind. And it's something I look forward to. And I don't forget the, um, prayers that I pray. I pray the same prayers and um, walk through the same thing every day and it has become memorized Mm. and it becomes easier and easier to do. We unlearn things, we relearn things and our brain adapts and changes it and, and changes. And so when it comes to things we're struggling with or when it comes to anxiety I've seen this in my own life. I've seen anxiety in the past couple of years go down by 90%. There were so many things that I used to be anxious about that I no longer am anxious about. And that has come by one, acknowledging, okay, this is an area of my life where I get anxious. Like if I, it used to be, if I'm running late to a meeting, I'll start to get anxious. And rather than brushing it off as, oh, well, it's normal to get anxious. It's normal to be kind of nervous and worry when you're running late. No, not every, it doesn't have to be. Mm. So I said, why, why am I anxious? 
And I just was journaling and figuring that out because I don't have to be anxious running late. You keep asking yourself why. Um, and so I, I figured out, well, I'm worried what other people are going to think. Are they going to think that I'm, um, are they going to assume something, this is going on, that I'm lazy? Are they going to reject me? Are they going to, you know, whatever. And then I started to think, and this is, can always be helpful, you know, what would put yourself in someone else's shoes? Have you ever judged somebody for being a couple minutes late? And maybe the answer is yes. But for me, mm. for me, when people are late, I'm like, that makes sense. We're all human. We're all imperfect. Yeah. People are late from time to time. I'm not anxious about that person showing up late. Um, I don't look at them any differently. And so I started to have that perspective. Another perspective I started having was it's, it's okay to be late. It's okay to not be perfect. I'm, I'm human. I'm made in God's image. He loves me. My value is not in what I can do. It's in who I am and remembering that. And every time I was running late and the anxiety would come up, I would go to those different things and those truths and remind myself. And then I stopped being anxious. Um, one thing I've learned with anxiety particularly is there's always a thought in an image, a fearful thought, a scary thought and an image that comes to our mind. And sometimes it's subconscious. And so for mm -hmm. me, it was that thought that I'm going to be rejected or, judged and the scary image was of these people kind of frowning at me and oftentimes those images or those thoughts are rooted in our past and in our hurt and in our experiences with other people and for me that was um growing up with an abusive dad and being bullied by friends for my faith for the music I listened to growing up. And so that combination, of course, created in the future this belief that other people, <clears throat> you know, deep down this belief, not consciously, but subconsciously, that people would treat me the same. So, of course, my brain would go into the state of anxiety to try and protect me, but then I was able to learn I don't need to be protected because there's nothing to protect me from with running running late. There's there's mm -hmm. no threat here, and my brain rewired, and so that's one simple way in in my life that anxiety has gone down in one situation. When there's a ton of situations we all deal with that makes it make us anxious, but we once we figure out what the underlying fearful thought is in the picture and what the truth is, and, and learn how to calm our mind, our body, our nervous system, and keep not avoiding, but going into those situations over time, we can rewire our brains and the anxiety can even disappear completely. Wow. That is so good. I love, thank you for sharing your um, story and personal examples. Cause again, I think there are so many people who relate to that on some level Um and yeah, you know, I never thought of that, but there are things I get anxious about and you're right. There's always, you know, 
Okay. Some thought there of like, well, if this happens, then this, you know, will be, people mm-hmm. will look at me this way or this is going to happen. And then like that kind of mental image that can haunt you and just, you know, figuring out what that is and, and tackling that is so good. Um, so we've talked about the brain science, you know, of how our brains can change and they can, you know, we can restructure them. But what we like to do at the Know Why podcast a lot is actually go back to ancient wisdom, uh, scripture specifically, and say, does the Bible actually, you know, kind of back this up? Um, what we learn in brain science, like, is there stuff in the Bible that says the same thing? Over 580 times, the Bible mentions the words mind, think, and belief. And that's just in the ESV version. And most, or throughout those mentions, the over the overwhelming emphasis is on what we do with our minds. It's almost like stewardship of our minds. Um, we're told to take our thoughts captive. We're told to think about things that are true, noble, right, and pure. And it's so fascinating, just in the past couple of decades, how much research has been coming out on gratitude. And gratitude is what you do with your mind. You're thinking you're, you're either, you know, from a secular perspective, you're making a list and thanking or of the things you're thankful for. Um, but from a Christian perspective, a spiritual perspective, we're thanking God for the things he has done. And all of that, I mean, the research of gratitude is, is wild. It is improves your mental health. Um, it's been a while since I've, I've researched this, but there's so many health benefits. It lowers, oh, another one was it, it lowers stress. It's calming to your, your body. Um, it's just wild. And one of the big scriptures people quote when it comes to neuroscience or, or neuroplasticity is uh, Romans 12 two. do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. What's the pattern of this world? It can often be, if you just look around, it's, it's hurt, it's fear, it's lies, it's um, pain, but be, and then it goes on to say, but be conformed or, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's how you think. That's what you meditate on, what you focus on. So it's, it's literally what I was explaining a few minutes ago about the thoughts and the mental image and changing the channel to what the truth is. But first you got to figure out what the, the lie is and what's causing the scary thought. Um, and it's, I was transformed by the renewing of my mind yeah. rather than continuing to let myself be conformed to the pattern of this world. And over and over again, we create new neurological pathways. And so it becomes easier and easier to do. It's like if a lot of us don't remember when we learned how to walk as a kid, or we may remember when we learned how to play an instrument, if we play one or how to throw a football, it was kind of challenging at, at first, 
There mm-hmm. was stumbling. There was squeaky noises. There was footballs that didn't have the spiral. But mm-hmm. over and over again, you do that to the point where you don't even really have to think about it. It just happens. That's because there's highways in your brain, neurological freeways, some people call them, of decision-making. And the same thing happens in all kinds of areas of our life, um, but specifically with our, our thoughts. And that's what the Bible has been instructing us for decades or for thousands of years. Yeah. Oh, so fascinating. And, you know, I think whether you, you know, didn't grow up in the church or, you know, sometimes, especially if you did, when we hear verses, we tend to just kind of, I don't know, think about them in only spiritual terms. Um, But really the Bible gives us so many practical tools for living our lives Um, because the Bible says the enemy wants to steal, kill and destroy, but Jesus came so that we could have life and have it abundantly. And we have it in him, but he also gives us so many tools for like, this is how, this is how to live. You know, this is how to, you know, live a good life. And, you know, I think anybody listening you know, if they really ask themselves honestly, like look around at the world, like you said, do I want to fall into these patterns of of pain, of, you know, anxiety of the problems that I see, or do I want to be transformed? So it's just so cool that, you know, science is confirming, you know, all the time what we've been told in the Bible. And I love seeing those connections, but, you know, it's just, um, and the little bit of time we have left get really practical. I mentioned earlier that apps are like the number one tool that people cite for keeping them accountable when they set a new year's resolution. A lot of times, you know, for fitness, um, people who want to improve their physical health, there's so many fitness apps and there's even, you know, lots of meditation apps and things like that. But the resolution movement actually has some resources as well for people wanting to improve mental health. So can you tell us about those? One of our greatest resources for mental health is um, well, resolutionmovement.org. We've got so many resources on there, specifically under our version Bible plans. I've been writing one devotional plan a month in English and Spanish, and we've got plans on anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, loneliness, um, even things like overcoming pornography, body image, so many different free um, three to five day plans that have a couple scripture verses. Um, and then I go into a lot of either my own story and experiences or research or um, psychological findings about how this how this all plays out. Like, okay, I've got three days to tell people how to um, begin to overcome anxiety. And I get after it in, mm-hmm. into some of the, the best steps that I've learned and um, what God's used to help me and, and free me. Uh, that's, that's one of our best next steps. Um, the other one is we're talking about this so much on our social media mental health and overcoming anxiety um, and giving people an alternative perspective to 
just like one one aspect, one tip, one theme today to improve your mental health. And um, we post almost daily Re- resolution movement, Instagram, Facebook, um, or on TikTok too. But the the images and kind of what we're posting about mental health is on Instagram and, and Facebook. Um, and then we also have our online community that we're launching here soon. And that's going to be a community. It's a community people have asked for. We've got so many resources and, you know, tens of thousands of people following the movement. And we're giving people an opportunity to connect online, go through the resources together, support one another, encourage one another. Um, Cause we've just found that so many people are, are disconnected, either disconnected from church. Um, if, you know, if they are Christian disconnected from church, if they're spiritually interested, disconnected, um, if they're struggling, you know, with, with mental health, they don't really, maybe there's a friend or two, but they don't really know who else is struggling or how to get help, who to talk to about it. And so this is going to be an online community of thousands of people. Um, we've already got 800 people waiting to, to join the community. So thousands of people in the next year or two are going to be on there supporting one another. I'm going to be doing, um, zoom calls there and teaching and it's just going to be, it's going to be awesome to get everybody in, in one place and to see so much freedom happen. So resolutionmovement.org. You can find out more about that on, on the join page. That's awesome. Wow. So exciting. Yeah. So visit resolutionmovement.org, follow resolution movement on social media. Um, if you want those uh, plans Ben was talking about, you can download the U version app and um, look, you can search for resolution movement on the app. And um, I did that the other day because I've got the app already and the plans are there. Um, so, so many great resources. And we'll also have them all linked at knowypodcast.com so that you can go and see the links that we've been referencing during our conversation today. And Ben, just anything uh, to leave people with, whether it's a final thought or just one or two practical tips to implement each day, what would you like to say to our listeners? One day at a time when it comes to New Year's resolutions, one day at a time, keep it simple. And remember to play the long game. This is something I've had to come up against over and over again, because I'm such a go-getter. It's like, I set goals for the year. I'm going to do this, 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 this. And then it becomes overwhelming. And then rather than improving my mental health, it's, it's um, hindering my mental health. And so what I found works is just because society says in January, you have to set goals or a goal for the whole year, you're an individual. You can do what works best for you. For me, I don't do New Year's resolutions. What I do is I'll set goals or I'll start implementing a new habit, like say January. Okay, everyone else is doing New Year's resolutions. I'm going to do one habit and I'm going to do it for a couple months. And once I get that down and feel comfortable and it's part of my life, then I'm going to move on and add another one 
Some people call this habit stacking. We can call it goal stacking, New Year's resolution stacking. Um, but don't try and conquer the world in, in January um, because the stats show that the majority of New Year's resolutions fail. Play the long game, take it one day at a time, set simple goals um, or habits. And once you feel comfortable with those, feel free to add more in. Or if it's too much, to scale them back. You have the freedom to do that. Yeah, such great advice. Those are awesome tips. I love the idea of just trying to set a habit and stick with it for a couple of months. Uh, So thank you again so much, Ben, for joining the Know Why podcast and all of the insight and resources that you have shared. There's just so much wisdom here. And thank you uh, to our listeners for listening to the Know Why podcast. And if you've taken anything from this episode, I hope it's this, that you know you're not alone. If you are struggling with your with mental health, if you're wanting to improve on that, you're not the only one. And so I really encourage you, do not hesitate to um, reach out to the resources that have been mentioned. Take advantage of those. Um, go to resolutionmovement.org and get resources. You can also contact us anytime by going to knowwhypodcast.com and um, finding the resources that we've discussed or reaching out just with feedback or if you need somebody to talk to and, and need a little bit more direct help getting connected, uh, please do that. So again, thanks, Ben, and thanks for listening to the Know Why Podcast. Podcast.